0: Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. This episode of Musician Talk is sponsored by the Northfield Arts Guild, and I am here to encourage you to check out Atmospheres, a Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra concert that includes a newly commissioned piece by Timothy Marr, featuring Eleanor Nemistow on Harp. Performances are November 3rd at St. John's Lutheran Church in Northfield and the 4th at the Cathedral of Our Merciful Savior in Faribault. Both shows are at 3 o'clock. The other show coming up for the Guild is Sweet Charity, a musical comedy set in 60s New York. It's a show filled with fabulous dancing, terrific music, and romance. The show runs November 3rd to the 19th, Friday and Saturday nights at 7.30 and Sundays at 2 o'clock. For more information for both shows, go to northfieldartsguild.org. By the way, tickets for the CVRO concert are sold at the concert and tickets for Sweet Charity are available online by phone at 507-645-8877 or visit the Guild Shop in beautiful downtown Northfield. And now, on to a new episode of Musician Talk. My guest today is the new Northfield High School orchestra teacher, Thomas O'Keefe. Accomplished violinist and concert master, Thomas is also a singer-songwriter, recording engineer, and multi-instrumentalist. He recorded a personal journey album about the five stages of grief in 2021, and we get to hear the title track, Good Grief, from that album. Thomas is a passionate teacher and is brimming with energy to make a difference in the lives of Northfield's high school musicians. It's time to find out more. It's time to talk with Thomas O'Keefe. Welcome, Thomas, to Musician Talk. I'm very happy to have you on.
1: Thanks so much. I'm so so glad to be here.
0: And congratulations on your new gig at the Northfield High School. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: All right. So let's just dig right in. You don't have to go back in the Wayback Machine for very a very long time, unlike a lot of my guests. Sure. <laughs> to think yeah. back to um, <laughs> when you first started playing or singing or getting interested in music, when it became part of your life.
1: Yeah, I guess. So I come from a family that isn't a musical family in the traditional sense. I Neither of my parents were musicians, um, but I do have five siblings, and all of them have been involved in one way or another with music. So I, I guess, you know, growing up, we... There was always singing around the house. It was a musical family in that sense. Uh, I I came to it that way rather than than having parents who played music. They didn't have that experience. And so I think my my first sort of stepping stone into it becoming something that's now, like my whole identity is sort of wrapped up in music in one way or another, Uh, happened when I was in early elementary school. Uh, I have an older brother who played electric guitar and a metal band all through high school. And so wanting to be like my older brother, I was like, I need to learn guitar. Yeah. Like, of course, that's what you should do. And so I asked for a guitar and I got an electric guitar for Christmas that year. And I discovered pretty quickly that like metal wasn't necessarily what I gravitated towards musically, um, but I used the opportunity. I started learning uh, like how to play chords and, and very basic self-taught guitar stuff. And through that, I came, uh, I sort of just discovered acoustic music. And I discovered like folk music, um, all sorts of like singer-songwriters at that stage. And I was always sort of, from that point, really interested in instruments and how to make them work. And so any sort of instruments that I could get my hands on, I would would try my hand at in a very sort of amateur way. Um, The greatest regret of my early life is... That my mom offered me piano lessons, and I was not interested. I was totally not interested. I didn't do it, and I regret it to this day. Uh, still not a great keyboardist. Um, uh, but that being said, it did lead me to to playing guitar, and then my experience with strings on guitar led me to uh, in sixth grade, which is when our uh, district started band and orchestra. Uh, I went to the instrument tryout nights and just. You know, had had a lot of experiences with different instruments, but was drawn really to the strings. And so I, I, I initially chose viola. As soon as I started in that sixth grade orchestra, it was kind of like, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, nice. And just really, really fell in love with it. And then through middle school, became obsessed with classical music. I basically discovered classical music through the viola rather than the other way around and just became... Enamored with it, I would listen to everything. Yeah, so I got really into that. Um, but still, at this point, didn't start taking lessons. I was, I was, I think as a kid, I, I didn't like asking for things. I was sort of more of a like, I'm just going to let what happens to me happen to me, and and <laughs> so I didn't even like think of that as an option
0: sure.
1: uh, until I got to high school, and I, I had an amazing orchestra director at my high school, Stacy Griffin, still there, uh, was Andover High School, uh, Northern. Yep. metro in minnesota and i remember going in for a playing test of all things after the playing test she said i've never forgotten this she said do you take lessons and i was like no and then she said you should you should be playing like concertos and all these she listed a bunch of different kinds of pieces that you could play outside of class that weren't orchestra music but were solo right. pieces that would push me and i yeah. remember hearing that and being like oh I can do that. And then I, I, uh, I, at this point, I had switched from viola to violin. Basically, after that, I started taking lessons and it, it, I just became very serious about it. I was practicing all the time. I sort of had, I sort of had this complex and maybe still do of, man, I started lessons really late. If I want to get anywhere, I need to like work or I'm not going to get anywhere because there's all these kids that start at, right. you know, four years old and, and have all those years of just, Muscle memory, muscle that memory
0: you, yeah,
1: hard to compete with. Um, yes, and so I and so I did my best and I worked a lot, uh, and got to a point that was that was uh decent, but I, I at this point I was just I just loved it and so I wanted to do it. I didn't think about doing it for a job or anything like that, uh, until I went to a festival at uh St. Thomas University. There was this string festival, it was like a one day in and out sort of thing where we got to work with the faculty there and this was probably 10th grade. And I remember going into that and seeing like a faculty string quartet play. When you see that close how professionals play music with one another, it was kind of like, wow, I want to be able to do that. Cool. Um, and I want to maybe make my life doing this in some capacity. And so I was at this point, I was involved in lots of different music things. And I started to take it really, really seriously. I was involved in choir as well. I joined choir in 10th grade. To this day, I love choral singing, uh, although I do less less and less of it, of course. Uh, but I sometimes I go over into Kyle Eastman's classroom and sing with his choirs uh, nice. on my prep and things like that. Um, probably shouldn't, but uh, I yeah. think it's
0: great that you do that. I think that students probably love it.
1: I've always been interested in so many different kinds of music which is maybe it's like a blessing and a curse because they all inform one another but if you're not specializing you're spending you know right. your time less and less on on everything jack of all trades sort of situation but uh that being said I I loved choir and orchestra in high school I was also involved in musical theater which I credit for bringing me out of my shell and allowing me to express like my thoughts and my, my musicality in the way I do now. Cause before I was a very reserved musician um, and it sort of allowed me to go, I'm still an introvert, but I can take all these things and, and express them in that way. So end of my high school experience, um, you know, I was involved in leadership in the music classes I was in and all that. And I remember my senior year, because at this point, I knew I was going to study music. I didn't know what yet. I thought probably just studying violin. And my uh, high school orchestra director was like, would you be interested in teaching at all? Are you interested in pursuing that path? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I have the the sort of experience. And, and what she did was she pointed me towards the orchestra library and said, you should look at some scores. At this point, I was TAing. For an orchestra, like I was spending all my time in the music wing at this point in senior year, I'd finished all my (laughs) major classes and things like that. And so I, I would go and pull out scores. And then I would Google the piece and listen to a recording and just listen with the score in front of me, which is something I'd never done. And I went, Oh, there's a bigger picture here than just what's going on with my individual uh, part." And of course, you know that, but you don't like put the pieces together unless somebody tells you. And so I I got really into doing that and through that became really interested in conductors and what conducting uh, is and, and is for. And so later that year, I had the amazing opportunity to conduct my peers. I mean, it changed my life, like the experience of standing up there and hearing the sound coming at you. Uh, rather than being in the sound. It's a very different experience. And suddenly I went, oh my gosh. After this experience of reading all these scores and like sort of being interested in the big picture, it was like, I want to do that. At that point, I was like, I'm going to study music education and I'm going to be really serious about conducting so I can learn this. At this point, I was looking at colleges um, and I ended up, I applied to like seven colleges, which was stupid, but I ended up being really interested in concordia college up in moorhead minnesota uh largely because i had great experiences with the faculty i got to do an honors orchestra up there and i had emailed back and forth with who was then the new orchestra director there kevin Suterlin. he came a year before i was there um, and i was emailing with him and i was like hey i know i'm a high schooler but i'm interested in conducting do you take private students in conducting at concordia like if i wanted to do like independent study in this and he was he was very open to the idea and gave me sort of things to work on and things to do before i would come and do that so it just ended up being a perfect situation i had a really great violin professor there uh dr sonia bosca harrison who i met and worked with and really really enjoyed working with and so it just all it all fell into place and i ended up going there um and just had the most amazing experiences uh, I was, I got up in front of the Concordia orchestra and got to conduct them. Uh, I got to intern with him at Lutheran summer music, which is a summer festival, um, for high school aged students. So I got to go there and, and conduct and learn conducting there, which was amazing. Um, I got to work with his orchestra symphony at Memphis, which is a historically informed classical orchestra. Uh, and so by the end of my college years, I was like, I think at some point I'm going to go back and do a master's in conducting. Turns out that day was sooner than I would have expected. Uh, I basically, I, I graduated a semester early. I got my first teaching job in West Fargo. So I taught in West Fargo, um, had an amazing time up there. It was the COVID year though. So it was, I was teaching. Oh my
0: goodness. But it was COVID and it was, oh no.
1: we were, we were fortunate enough to have numbers low enough that allowed us to be hybrid so i at least got to see i got to do in person teaching perfect first teaching job everyone should get to have that first teaching job where you're basically team teaching with two more experienced teachers and it's so it was such a supportive and amazing place to learn that being said in that year i had i i, I was seeing like ads for conducting programs and sort of had this feeling like if I stay in this job, there's a new high school opening. Potentially I could start the program at that new high school. But I knew if I did that, I would want to build that program and be there for a while. And I sort of had this feeling like, ah, I'm there for a while. I'm not going to get back, get to go back to school for conducting, which is what I really interested in doing that. And so I started looking into programs and I had met, uh, Foster Byers, who was the person I ended up studying with for my master's, uh, because he used to be the conductor at Concordia College. Ah. And so he, he came back right before the COVID outbreak. We had a concert where we had all the previous directors of the Concordia Orchestra come back and conduct on a concert. Cool. Um, and it was very, very cool. The concert didn't happen because it was literally that week that <laughs> oh, COVID no. hit.
0: Oh, no. Oh, um,
1: However, we did get to have all the rehearsals and we recorded the dress rehearsal right before everyone went home and then never came back. Um, <laughs> but I got to have a lesson with, with Foster Byers when he came and it was, he's so different from my previous teacher, but I remember feeling in that lesson like, oh, he's so musical and intentional about how he approaches scores in a way that like we really, really meshed well. And he told me at the end of that lesson, teach for a few years and then come check out my program. um, Because he teaches uh, James Madison University out in Virginia. Um, And so I was teaching for that year. And I ended up emailing him and just asking him about the program. Like, what is this like? What are you looking for in students? We had a great conversation about like, are you sure you want to do this now? Or do you want to teach longer? And I sort of gave him my reasons for, for wanting to go right away. And it just, I don't know, it just was a perfect storm. Like this, the program came up. I applied like two days before the deadline, six months later, I was moving to Virginia uh, <laughs> and starting this program. And so I went and I I had a very tough, but very good two years intensively studying conducting. And so I was approaching my time, the end of my time there. And I knew I felt teaching calling me back and I was like, I want to teach again and I want to teach in Minnesota again. I have a lot of family here and yeah, it was, I was looking for jobs and nothing was popping up and I was starting to get stressed. Um, And suddenly like three of them opened. One of them was Northfield. Northfield was the first one I saw and I knew Northfield by reputation and I, I just knew the reputation of it being, a very like arts centered community. And so I was like, Ooh, that could be really, really good. When I came to Northfield and interviewed, I just was struck by how like warm the students were and how open they were. They were just so willing to go along with me.
0: That's great.
1: Which is not always the case. Sometimes you go into somebody else's classroom and rightfully they don't trust you because they don't know you, but they were immediately like, we're going to just do what this guy says and see how it goes. And it went really, really well. And yeah, I ended up getting the offer and was just like, yeah, I'm, I want to go here and see what I can do with this, with this that, program.
0: That is fabulous. Congratulations. And it's a great Thank you. story. <laughs> it is fabulous. And I'm so glad that you're here in town and, and so excited mm-hmm. and, and passionate about music. It's just mm-hmm. fabulous. Mm-hmm. And we need to move on to the first yes. piece. Yes. Okay. So right. So the first piece that we're going to play is this excerpt that you, that you took from one of the performances that you conducted. Um, mm-hmm. And it says Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 6. So why don't you set this up for me and why you chose this piece and some of your challenges and joys with it.
1: For a master's in conducting, you need to do a degree recital. This was a lecture recital specifically. So I had to pick a piece that I would perform from. And then I would give a lecture uh, on something musical that I'd done in my research about that piece. And so when I was looking at pieces, I knew I would have to put together my own orchestra. And so I was like, I need to pick something that's popular enough that people are going to go for it and is possible to put together in like three full rehearsals and a dress. Oh um, and which is, I mean, that's a, that, that alone is a tall order. That's and a heavy I, yeah. I, <laughs> have always loved Beethoven and Beethoven's symphonies have always been really, really, I mean, everyone who's a classical uh, and like an orchestral person, orchestral conductor, we all, everyone loves Beethoven's symphonies. They're popular for a very good reason, but this piece in particular, Beethoven six is called his pastoral symphony. And it's, it's this very like nature driven piece. And it's his only symphony that has, like very, it's the only one with titled movements. It's the only one that has like very specific sort of non-musical elements that are linked to the music. So it's, it's, if you're talking about programmatic pieces of music and absolute pieces of music, this is one of the, one of the few in this sort of classical period. Cause it really is, it's classical transition into romantic. And it's one of the few pieces in this time that is being given these characters, even in how it's titled. And so I was really drawn to that and was like, how could I go down this path and find out why he did that and how that impacts the music? So I was, in, I was interested in just the music as a piece because I love it. And I was interested in why it is the way it is and why it's so different than a lot of his other music. It was a February recital. And so I started recruiting in the fall. Uh, I can't remember the exact number. It was probably 36 people, which is wow. pretty similar to actually Beethoven's orchestra. It's it's traditionally performed with a much larger orchestra now, but Beethoven performed it with a a smaller orchestra closer to this. Um, And so I was like, great, we'll call it performance practice and not the fact that I can't find more people than this. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, in January, I did those three rehearsals, dress rehearsal, and then did the gig. So really, it was just so it was like such a, a time bound experience of we're going to do this in this tiny time frame. We're going to put it together. And it was just like this rush of, yeah, just had an amazing, amazing time putting that
0: together. Awesome. Well, that is a perfect setup. And so let's take a listen to this, this uh, pickup orchestra that Thomas put together to play for his uh, senior or his master's lecture recital. Um, when last year? This This was
1: February of this past year. Yes, in February of
0: 2023. And here it is. This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard the end of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 6, conducted by my guest today, Thomas O'Keefe. Um, this was for his master's lecture recital this past February. So let's move on, because we have to. You not only have this yes. big classical training but you also are a singer songwriter and play guitar and mm-hmm. and create music that way. So tell, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So basically this started when I was, it started before the classical music in a way um, when I was young, I was learning guitar um, because of my older brother and I ended up falling in love with all this folk music, this, this singer songwriter type music. So I was in my room and I was learning uh, pop four chord pop songs on guitar and was, and just loved that. And, um, Tried my hand at writing songs at that age, started a lot of them and finished none of them. Um, <laughs> fast forward years, like college. Uh, I have a, I have two nieces, but I had at that time, I had one niece who is also my goddaughter and her birthday was coming up in like three days and I didn't have a gift. And I was like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Maybe I'll write her a song. That would be funny. That would be kind of a fun. Uh, thing to do, so I end up writing this song for her, and I get all of my siblings and my mom to send in voice memos so that I can edit them into the song, and I send it uh, to uh, my sister, who is the the mother of my goddaughter, and it was really really well received, and I had so much fun doing it. I was like, I should do more of this. It's Just fun way to like connect with people and to to do the things that I do in a way that's that's not so serious because like my classical training was very serious. And like there becomes that sort of baggage of like, this is what I'm doing for my job. And so I'm very stressed about it. Fast forward uh, to after my first year teaching, I'm going to grad school the next year. I have this summer where I have nothing for the first time in a long time. It's just a summer of, I didn't even have a job lined up for the summer. I was just like, I have my savings. I'm going to go live at home And spend the summer with family before I move out to Virginia. So I go home and I don't do well with lack of structure. So after a few days, I'm like, I'm crazy. I need to do something with my time. And I decided at that point, um, that I was just going to start writing some music. And very specifically my, so my dad passed when I was in high school, uh, which, Had a big impact on who I am.
0: No kidding. Sorry. Musically and
1: otherwise. Thank you. I appreciate that. So it was five years later at this point. And I was like, I think I'm going to write some songs about this to process this. Um, And so I started writing these songs totally for myself, not for anybody else. And then I just decided I have all this time. I'm going to learn how to record. And so I, I got some recording equipment, like really basic recording equipment, and started learning how to record instruments and layer them and mix them and do all this stuff, Um which is so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I still have no idea what I'm doing. It's so hard, There's but a so uh, totally different skill. There's
0: so much. There's so totally much. Totally different it could skill. Be, be learning that for years. I mean, yeah. just like an and instrument. I, I just am. like an instrument. Yeah. Right.
1: And yeah. so I, I, I get into that and I end up showing some of the stuff I'm doing to some family and it, like, The response, of course, my family was close to the situation, um, but like the response I was getting made me feel like they they asked me like, "Are you gonna like share this with people?" And I was like, "You know what? Why not?" And it was terrifying because like I'd been the classical musician for so long, I'd never shared this part of myself, and so I ended up recording it all that summer, uh, finishing it up, and then released it that next fall and. It's not like I have this wide listenership. I did it for myself and released it. And some people listen to it. Some people listen to it still. Just like the, the individual conversations and responses I get to it make it worth all the time that went into it. And there's something about doing music that isn't related to how am I going to make money and feed myself? Like there's no weight of like this needs to be my career because it doesn't. And I, I intend to keep it that way. I intend to keep it something that I just do on the side and, and, and continue that way.
0: So you wrote this album about grief and about, Mm -hmm. about your journey with grief after your father passed and um, went on to share it. And this is the title track that we're going to listen to right now. And there's a lot of surprises in this song and um, very lovely (laughs) surprises. In fact, the beginning is a surprise. You expect something different from singer songwriter, so uh, that's all I will say. And take a listen. Here it is.
2: like a hawk. His face would light up at the things us kids talked about. He always listened so loud and he was quiet. I'm glad that you were my father. I'm sorry that time is a thief. Not a barter Give for a little longer I wish that you could see how far we've come Meet your grandkid, be with mom It's not the deal that we got Old oh, time took you away And all that it left us with was ooh, good grief Take it away, take it away from me Take it away, take it away from me. Dad was a grounded man, grounded as the earth, and he left it in a way no one deserves to face, but he did it with the grace of a grounded man. Take a D, free from pain From the pain that you endured every day We wish you could have stayed, but at least you're free I'm glad that you were my father I'm sorry that time is a thief Not a barter could a good creep. But I'd give for a little longer. I wish that you could see how far we've come. Meet your grandkid, be with mom. That's not the deal that we got. Oh, time took you away. And all that it left us with was. Ooh, good grief. Take it away, take it away. Agree. Take it away, take it away from me I'll just pretend that it's okay It's okay Even if it's not happy. Take it away, take it away from me Ooh, good grief Take it away, take it away from me
0: Musician Talk, and I am your host, Pauline Jennings. Today's guest is Thomas O'Keefe, the new orchestra conductor at Northfield High School. You just heard his original song called Good Grief, on which he played and recorded everything, which is so impressive. So which which instruments did you do via MIDI, and which did you do live, actually play?
1: Um, they're all acoustic
0: Man. live instruments
1: there's no no midi no midi at all um
0: oh, I know. I'm even so more it's impressed it's <laughs>
1: it's uh so it's it's really i mean it's all instruments that i've been playing so it's it's a uh, violin of course I, I borrowed a double bass from my high school orchestra director while i was uh because i recorded this in my mom's basement in between That's
0: great gigs
1: wow. so uh I, I i borrowed a bass from the local high school um there's guitar on there. There's mandolin on there, which was my pandemic instruments. Uh, <laughs> and now it's like, I play mandolin like as much as violin, maybe um, it's because, because it's such a great combination of guitar and violin. It's so I could go on about that, but I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 recorded, it's just those instruments. It's bass, guitar, mandolin, violin.
0: Wow. and It sounds like, it's, I um, mean, multiple parts for each because it sounds yes. so, there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, okay, yeah.
1: especially the violin I layered to make yeah. uh bigger string sound.
0: Okay, so this, the surprise to me was, and I, I was a little confused, like I said at first, because I was thinking this is the classical piece because it starts out classical. Yeah, and So I love that. I, and I'm like, okay, no, it's called good grief. This is not no, this must be his. And I so I kept listening. And sure enough, <laughs> it turned into your song. And oh, what a yeah. great surprise. I love musical surprises. I love mm. it. I think there's, there's some, there's some obvious con- ways in which your singer songwriter informs your teaching and your playing and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But are there any things that are out of the ordinary that you can think of that you were surprised at how it affected one affected the other.
1: Well, I'll do. So the classical to folk music, it all has to do with the form of how I wrote the thing. So it's five songs. There's five stages of grief. There's this, uh, uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, the psychologist who defined the five stages of grief, um, which is, uh, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance and so i was like i'm gonna write five songs and i'm gonna make them loosely based on those five things um and so being i needed restrictions for myself because otherwise i never would have gotten anything done and so i said five songs the keys are going to be based on the letter of the stage (laughs) so d major for the first song a minor for the second song and i and it structured it like that and then i was like it's five movements there's a there's this a uh, form called an arch form in classical music, which was used a lot by Bela Bartok uh, and other composers, which is basically when you have five movements, the middle one is the most important. And then the two outside of the middle. So the second and fourth are related to one another. And the first and fifth are related to one another. So there's, oh, wow. there's all these musical cool. musical connections that way uh, in the structure. So that was really big. And the the bridge of good grief uh, the bridge section near the end of the song is built. The four lines of that bridge are lyrics from the other four songs. So it's this sort of, that's why I chose this song is because it's the yeah. centerpiece yeah. and it brings together all other, all four other songs, which you only can hear if you listen to the whole thing and then listen to that song again. Sure. But I, I, I put it in there. I needed structure for myself. I think the other way around how folk music because it does impact like conducting in the way I, the way I view music. And I think it does through the sense that if you only do classical music, that's what music is, but that's not what music is. So many different styles and genres. And I think having some knowledge at least of other genres allows you to look at your own thing from the outside and see, what's actually important about it or what makes it unique to other things. And with classical music that becomes like, there's things that I can't do in a recorded song that you can do in classical music. Like I was recording to a click track and I was recording one instrument at a time. Um, And so you can't do as much with like pushing and pulling time. You can do a little if you, if you do some tricks, but there's not as much stretching of time. It's much more groove oriented than most classical music is. And it's not quite as dynamic in the same way. Uh, the same way it's right? The dynamic of, of of a song is much more about how it's layered than uh, it is about how loud or soft it really is. Because really the range of loud and soft in a recording can't be that big. Otherwise, you can't hear stuff or stuff is too loud also just the fact that I'm not a composer in a classical sense. I have never written anything for orchestra. Um, But sitting down and writing music for the first time made me very aware of what different elements am I using and what am I trying to get out of them? Which is then basically the reverse process of how I study a score. It's like, what are the major things that are happening? What's being layered? How is it building energy? My, my teacher in grad school, Foster Byers was all about how is the energy distributed through this piece, like holistically and then phrase by phrase. And so in the process of writing music, now I think about that too. If, if the, the song gets more intense, what elements do you add? What elements do you take away? How do you make it feel like it's expanding and contracting and has this long form, um, which all music has to some extent, like any pop song, you're going to hear this with how they like, how they make a bridge and how they how they layer harmonies and all these things yep. contribute to it. So I think the biggest thing is realizing even though these genres are different in what they're trying to achieve, they're built on the same elements. All the building blocks are the same. And just being aware of that and being aware of of how those those things are built has a huge impact on on the way I study scores and the way I conduct music, uh, I think much more holistically and I I sort of try to reverse engineer what a composer is trying to do a lot of the time, which I maybe wouldn't have done before.
0: Right, right. If you had been a songwriter yourself, I totally get that. So, in closing, um folks we're not going to do the quote of the week, and we're not going to do the best gig worst gig this week because uh Thomas has so much to say and so much <sighs> things, so much great so many great things to say, and I really wanted this to op- not be an opportunity for the community to get to know the new teacher in town <laughs> um, and the mu- music teacher um so in closing, um I imagine that you have some plans for Uh, teaching and just give me one or two of the uh, bigger ideas that you would like to institute or try to start, try to produce. Uh, What are a couple of your dreams with, with, yeah, for sure. For
1: sure. I think the biggest thing for me, I've spent a lot of time like in grad school and even before grad school, thinking about like where I fit in music education. There's lots of different schools of thought on how it should be done. But I think at the end of the day, I, I'm trying to get at things that I wish I knew sooner Mm. as a musician and thinking about the fact that I am not the average high school music student, right? Most people aren't going to go on to study music in my program. What can I give those students that's just as valuable that they can take forward, even if they don't play And so that's basically two things. One is, and this is, this is a challenge for a lot of a lot of reasons, but how can we diversify what we play? I want to play a lot of classical music, but how can we play other styles? How can we introduce people to, to playing music from different backgrounds? That's something that's very important to me. Something that I am hoping to do more and more of um, just the mindset of why that's important. Uh, And then I think a big thing for me is how can I teach students to hear music differently? How can I get them to when both when they're playing and when they're listening, start to hear the big picture and be invested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just had a conversation with my students last week, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Now like music isn't notes and rhythms, notes and rhythms is the bare minimum of what we do. And then there's all the stuff that isn't written in the score that we have to breathe life into to make it not just dots on a page, but, but sound because it's really sound. So trying to get them to think about music in a way that's a little bit more abstract.
0: Nice. And I could see from your face how passionate you are about it. (laughs) And that is what we need with music. And I love the idea. Mm -hmm. I love your whole story about those, those teachers that were pivotal for you, that gave you, gave you those things that, that kind of shaped what you did with your life. I mean, it's yeah, just amazing sure. what these music teachers, well, teachers in general, but, and so often mm-hmm. on this show, I hear about the music teachers that really, really touch a person's life in, in a profound way. And now you're in a position to be able to do that yourself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. That's And that's very cool.
1: It's very so, exciting.
0: Thank you so much for being on mm-hmm. Musician Talk. It was really great to meet you. And I look forward to talking with you throughout the years here as you... Settle into the job here at Northfield High School. So thank you so much, Thomas.
1: Thank you, Pauline. It's so good to be here.
0: Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. You too. A big thanks to Thomas for sharing with us his musical journey, his hopes and dreams for teaching, and his original song with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist, radio voice extraordinaire, and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on The One. K-Y-M-N. Have a fabulous day.